0: Welcome back to Camden Cast, your unofficial Baltimore Orioles fan podcast from CamdenChat.com. I'm your host, Mark Brown. I'm Eat More SK on Camden Chat. It is July the 29th, 2012, in the evening, as we are recording this episode for you. The Orioles have just taken only one out of three games from the Oakland Athletics, the, the wild card contending Oakland Athletics, and they were lucky to salvage the one with a great effort today. I'm joined as always by my podcasting partner in crime, Andrew Gibson. Andrew, any good Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs adventures.
1: Well, I got to see the Norfolk Tides, uh, and I wrote about that game for the site. Uh, the the uh Iron Pigs were wearing Christmas flavored uniforms.
0: Christmas which in were July?
1: Really terrible. Yeah, it was July the twenty fifth. Ah. But just really Hideous. They they were like Santa coat uniform tops. Okay. Complete with like a belt that was just part of the top. It just looked really
0: good. Now I understand minor league baseball does some crazy stuff sometimes, but really, how could any person multiple people think that's a good idea? <laughs> well Just think of the whole chain you know, of command involved in that decision, any one of which could have said, you know what, this is a crappy idea.
1: I kept thinking some of these players have to be like, there's no way I'm wearing that.
0: Well, did, you the, did, they, did they play well in the Santa Claus uniforms? Uh, it looked like they were no, embarrassed they really to be there. Didn't. I mean, well they, well, they didn't, I mean, you yeah. know. From what I've read, you write them. They're not exactly very good at the best. They're, they're the not a right, good. Right, team, so. but
1: they played particularly poorly All against right. Brian Mattis and the Norfolk Tides.
0: Right, and Brian Mattis, your observation was he didn't even look very good, although he had a empty stat line.
1: Yeah, he had a really good stat line, and, like, I was reading the stuff over on Uh, Massinsports.com, our rival blog
0: (laughs) (laughs) yep number one number one rival blog and
1: like uh i mean rock was was bringing up the stat line and i thought well that that's not fair because the stat line looks really good and i thought he looked very bad and um then apparently like i read like that the reports coming into Showalter were apparently very good, and, like, Danny Evelyn said some
0: really nice things, and I was like,
1: maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but I have to stand by what I saw. Well, I, what mean, I, saw I don't know who Danny was Evelyn
0: would know quality left-handed pitching if he saw it either, really.
1: Well, all I know is if he were here with us today, he'd probably be asking me if I ever played the game, and I didn't. I never played the game.
0: So, in Little League?
1: Well, okay, I played in Little League, but that hardly counts.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah, I never played up until high school or anything, or I didn't. So, play.
1: you know, I never, I, I faced like little league fastballs with no off-speed stuff whatsoever.
0: Yeah. So,
1: so I wouldn't know good pitching if it hit me in the face.
0: Yeah, that would that would actually impair your ability to know any kind of. Well, that's true. That's true. So, but, so with that caveat established, because I am in the same boat, so Andrew and I obviously will never know anything about baseball, but we'll nonetheless try and tell you about it. And let's talk a little about current Orioles news before we... We'll be we joined a little bit later, and you may want to ready yourselves to, to boo. Steal because we will be joined by a Yankees blogger from SB Nation. And <sighs> introduce that person a little bit later, but first we want to get through some Orioles stuff. So the news of today, which will literally be yesterday's news by the time you listen to it, but we're we're going to run through it anyway. Brian Roberts is going to have season-ending surgery on his, was it, torn labrum in his right hip? Yes. And apparently that's the same injury that Ed Reed of the Baltimore Ravens had in the later days of the 2009 football season that he had surgery to repair in May of 2010.
1: Well, a couple couple baseball players had it too. Chase Utley, I believe, had it, and uh, maybe we can ask our Yankee blogger in a bit about Alex
0: Rodriguez had it. Oh, okay.
1: So, it's it's a thing that is happening.
0: Well, Chase Utley uh, hasn't had terrible years. I don't know when he had that surgery, but he's... Uh...
1: Yeah, I'm not sure about the exact dates. He's got, and, uh, he's got an 822
0: OPS this year in only 23 games, so... Maybe he's not. Well, that could be a good example. But
1: it's not a good sign. Robinson uh, no
0: so the best thing we can hope for is that it was that hip injury that made Brian Roberts look like he was just lost out there, and to the, the greater percentage that his problem was that hip injury, then the better off it is. But I mean, we have no well, way of when knowing. He,
1: when he comes back next season, he has to be like a seven batter or an
0: eight I mean, batter. yeah, they can't just keep saying, okay, you're the starting second baseman, you're the leadoff hitter. I th- right. That would be seriously uh, bad if they kept doing that.
1: Yeah, and that's really kind of the only thought I have about the whole thing. I hope he, he gets better. Like, he's obviously, at this point, given his mind, his body, and, and then some for the Orioles. And I hope he just, you know, he's okay for whenever he... Does finally retire,
0: but yeah. So it's supposed to be four to six months rehab, and then he'll be go for spring training. But you know, we've heard that before. Although I would say it obviously is different when you're recovering from a specific type of surgery as opposed to his, nef- uh, you know, nebulous concussion-related symptoms.
1: We heard it before with his back injury yeah. too. supposed to be ready for spring training.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. man. I'm bummed out, so let's move on. One good thing about the Orioles, well, maybe it'll prove to be a good thing. Today it was a good thing. Uh, 36-year-old Lou Ford, or he will be 36 next month, excuse me. Lou Ford was called up from Norfolk for the Sunday game, and he'd had 62 games in Norfolk. He had a 939 OPS in those 62 games. So clearly he was uh, hungry to get back into the big leagues because he hadn't played in the major leagues since the end of the 2007 Season And, Andrew, they were talking about that on the mass and broadcast today. The Orioles lineup, the last game that uh, the Orioles played when Lou Ford was a big leaguer, included names like J.R. House as the catcher and Freddie Bynum as the left fielder. Mm. And the pitching that day, I believe I looked at the box score earlier, included names such as Brian Burris... Victor Zambrano, Rob Bell, and uh, Radimus Liz.
1: I like Rob Bell.
0: If I no, remember right, not. Rob Bell was the guy who got in trouble in the White Sox because Ozzie Guillen told him to uh, bean a guy, and he wouldn't. And uh, that, him. that sounds what's that
1: Rob and Bell? Then, and
0: then he ended up on the Orioles and featured prominently in the 30-3 to game.
1: Oh, I have very specific memories of all of those players, and only one of them is good, <laughs> and that's Brian Burris. I saw him uh, out duel Roger Clemens on very, very hot, horrible night in Baltimore. So here's a few,
0: here's a few more names from that uh, that September the 30th 2007 box where We got Tyke Redman leading off and playing center field for the Orioles
1: after he was signed out of the York Revolution. I believe he was playing indie ball, and the Orioles were like, "Well, we need an outfielder, so bring him on."
0: Scott Moore was your first baseman.
1: Boy.
0: Jay Payton in right field. Brandon Faye, he pinch ran and played some shortstop. He pinch ran for Miguel Tejada. Melvin sure, uh, makes- was the third baseman. Luis Hernandez was the second baseman. <laughs> so, you know what? Five years, a lot's happened, and. Uh, Things are much better. So much better. Even when I'm in the depths of despair, it's not that bad as it was looking at that game right there.
1: Yeah, you know, we we spend a lot of time talking about how bad things are um, or how the Orioles aren't as good as their record would indicate, and they're not, but, you know, things have gotten a lot better, and things are moving forward, and uh, we really... We really have not done a good job at, at expressing, you know, they're they're slowly advancing in, in certain departments, getting there. Yeah, I think first.
0: I think for this year, it was like that hot start got everybody jumping steps ahead of, you know, the progress continuum, and now everybody's thinking, well, it's just going to stay at this level, and it probably, you know, they were playing over their heads, so they're not going to stay at that level, yeah. but... The level that they will end up settling at we we certainly hope will still be a step forward a step or more forward than 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 that abomination i've just i'm getting it out of my browser right now because it's it 's making me sad <laughs> so Lou Ford was the really the only one of the uh kind of the baseball senior citizens club that was signed in Norfolk this year that 's actually forced its way up to the big leagues and well, the Orioles sure needed an outfielder with Chris Davis playing left field most of the time lately. And if it's not Chris Davis, it's Andy Chavez, who, well, he's, you know, He's getting better. He's Andy Chavez. <laughs> and so, hey, now there's a real outfielder out there today. He had a great outfield assist and got a base hit. Took a.
1: Water Wait, did you just say, like, thank goodness Lou Ford is out there now? They have a real outfielder. Today.
0: Well, he is. He's a real outfielder. I mean, Even if he is has he really big that big much
1: team. more real than... Chris Davis or Andy Shaw? Oh, look
0: at this. Is that what you're going to give me crap for? Real? Is he? Is that that where we're going here? Well, you said it. Oh, brother. So, okay. Yeah, how do you think that? All right, Mr. Literal. Let's just move along to the next topic, which is, and Andrew and I are in agreement, please, Orioles, don't buy anything at the trade deadline, especially when the names that I read in the Jason Stark article it was actually the real Jason Stark. I was not taken by a hoax like I was on Twitter last night. Very embarrassing. But anyway, Jason Stark writes that the names on the Orioles' quote-unquote shopping list are Joe Saunders, Jason Vargas, and Joe Blanton. And uh, you know, that's it brings a real new meaning to the phrase "pick your poison." Because <laughs> if you're out there wanting any of those guys on the Orioles, I uh, I don't I don't know what's going through your head.
1: Well, here's the problem with. Uh... Two of them, Uh, Joe Blanton and Joe Saunders, I believe, are both free agents after this year. Let me just double-check on that. So it's sort of like, yeah, they should totally be giving up guys, any guys. It doesn't matter what quality guys that another team would like to have in order to get one of these guys. Yes, they're both free agents this winter.
0: All right, and Joe Blanton, 5 ERA last year. Well, that was only 41 innings, but 482 ERA in 2010, 459 ERA this year, and that's in the National League. Just, uh, no, no Joe Blanton. There is
1: no rental player, there's no one rental player, I should say, that the Orioles should be considering, because you're, you're giving up something that's got some worth in order to try to somehow continue to outplay your negative 60 run differential. And it's just, it's not going to work. It's not going to work.
0: Yeah, we talked in the last episode about the Orioles run differential, and it's only gotten worse in the last week
1: since Well, right, because they keep getting beaten up, because they're not as good as the teams they're playing.
0: Which, when, when that's one Oakland, player isn't when that's going Oakland to and, and you're looking at the Orioles, and you're like, wow, they're really not as good as the Athletics. That's where we've come. Of course, the athletics are much better than we anticipated, but still, True. it's weird. It's pretty, pretty, pretty sobering reality.
1: You know, and, and these particular pitchers, it's not like we're talking about picking up, you know, Justin Verlander, and exactly. <laughs> they're just—they're not—they're not going to be the difference maker. They're—they're no. they're not going to do anything except waste prospects, even low-level prospects.
0: And the Orioles are not getting out of the fire anytime soon. When I, I was in the press box for Friday's game, and one of the stats on the game notes was like, 53 of the 63 final games for the Orioles will be against teams that are either division leaders or within four and a half games of the wild card. So,
1: right. I mean, everybody
0: they're playing, except like Seattle, is is in contention.
1: Yeah, I think that Seattle and of- Kansas
0: City. Yeah. yeah, and then other than that, uh, you know, everybody's in contention, so... That's what they're looking at.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a gauntlet and they're going to get exposed or they're going to play a lot better than they have. That's the only two options. They cannot continue playing at this level without sinking. Continuing to sink, really.
0: Yeah, the um, Orioles were what 12 games over 500 in the middle of June or something and they've now gone down to four games over 500 since then. So I mean, you know, it's been about a month and a half now of just kind of a steady trek backwards, not mm-hmm. you know not a huge collapse, but
1: and that was when they weren't playing the a l no,
0: which you know and we're and we're about to find out a little bit more about the Yankees when we bring on our Yankees yeah. person, so the Yankees and the Rays are the next two series series cri whatever Multiple series. multiple series, and uh on the road. And the Orioles have wei in Chen and a bunch of question marks. And we're going to see what's happening. So that's all we've got to say for the Orioles right at this moment. And we'll be right back, although you won't know the difference, uh, with our Yankee blogger. All right, so I've been admonished off mic by Andrew repeatedly to be on my best behavior as we are going to welcome in... To be nice. To be nice. As we are going to welcome in a Yankees fan, so... Out there, don't don't boo. She's nice. Uh, she's from Pinstripealley.com, our SB Nation Yankees compatriot, and her name is Tanya Bondurant. So, Tanya, welcome on board Camden Cast.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: So, hopefully, you can give us some interesting Yankees insights because if anybody out there is like me, they they can't bring themselves to look at the Yankees because it just fills them with revulsion or something or other. But anyway. I will I will endeavor not to take a lifelong of Yankee team hating out on the Yankees fan who happens to be here tonight. But so so first of all, Tanya, how about you tell us what it is like being a Yankees fan in the year 2012 with the Yankees season going how it is, and just you know what what's life in general like in the the Yankee galaxy universe? I don't know whatever they call it. Yankee universe.
2: Um, it's kind of hard to complain, because...
0: <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad you're not going to complain. That might have set me off a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: They they have one of the best records in baseball, eight game lead in the division. It would take a, a Bostonian collapse to not make the playoffs.
1: That's a pretty good burn.
0: Yeah.
2: We thank you for that, by yep. the way. Um, a lot.
0: It was pretty exciting for Orioles fans to experience, so... In fact it was so exciting I would say Orioles fans could uh could still enjoy it even though knowing Yankee fans were also enjoying it. That's that's how tense <laughs> it was.
1: The way I see it, you shouldn't thank the Orioles, you should thank Scott Proctor for oh, uh, coming you. in and, and blowing that game up in, in Tampa that night.
0: Well, it was it was everybody. It was all that stuff, and that's why it was pretty cool. So it's so okay. So yeah, you, you, basically, what the Yankees didn't lose for like the whole month of June or something stupid like that, right? No, not quite basically. that. Bad, but it was it was an absurd number of wins, and like the Orioles were going six and four over ten game streaks and losing two games to the Yankees, who would go like eight and two. It's pretty pretty absurd. Right. And you know, so there you go. Okay. Uh, so so if you if you were gonna find something to complain about, what what would you say are the biggest uh that is there that, that could still be better even though they're 60 and 40 after a hundred games.
2: I really dislike Russell Martin. Ooh. He fills me with all kinds of hate.
0: What, what did <laughs> Russell Martin do?
2: Um, was terrible.
0: Okay. Well, that's a fair <laughs> reason.
2: Um, The front office is in love with him. They just worship at his altar all the time. And, I wonder if we're watching the same games because, to me, he's only been good for two months, and he's been a Yankee for almost two years.
0: So Russell Martin, for the Orioles fans who who don't know his numbers, he's batting 182. He's got a 300 on base percentage, 364 slugging. So that's good for a 664 OPS. That's, that's worse than even if you're disappointed by Matt Wieters, you're going to say, well, at least he's not Russell Martin. Because that's... Oh. Uh, that's a, that's a tough number right there, although he does have 11 home runs. Right. People like home runs.
2: And at the beginning of the season, he was walking all the time. And so you're kind of like, well, he's not hitting, but he's getting on base, so okay. And then he just stopped doing that, and he'll have a game where he'll go, like, two for three with a home run, and everybody's like, he's back, and then, no.
0: And he's not back, he's not huh? back, no. <laughs> And that's at the age of twenty nine so it's not like he's really old or anything, no.
2: and they actually offered him a three year extension, I believe this off season, and he turned it down
0: what well, how much <laughs> money were they offering him in 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 that do you do you know what that was
2: i'm I'm not positive. I think it was um about what he's making now, so not you know not a significant raise or anything.
0: Let's see. Cod's Contracts tells us $7.5 million this year for Russell Martin. So what, maybe about three years, 21000000 million-ish, something like that?
2: Maybe something like
0: that. And he turned that down. Wow.
2: He turned it down. How about that? And right now we're all thinking that that was a pretty fortunate happening. Sometimes it's the
0: move you want to make and you can't. That's the best. Right. There were, well, Andrew and I have probably seen... Plenty of examples of that. Although the Orioles, unfortunately, have moves they should have made and didn't over their long years of record as well. So, what would you say are like the three biggest Yankees storylines uh, through the first hundred-ish games? If you if you had to pick, you don't need to pick what order, just you know the three big ones.
2: I think injuries would probably be the biggest one and the most ongoing one. Um, we lost Brett Gardner, who is amazing defensively that was
0: just recently right
2: no um he actually has only played nine games and they were at the very beginning of the season
0: i'm really embarrassing myself here (laughs)
2: um well we just found out he was out for the season Uh, maybe that was why i remembered
0: that headline then with his name he
2: he would rehab and then he would wake up the next day and he was sore so they would shut him down and then he would rehab and then he would wake up the next day and he was sore and this went on for months Andrew, and then they finally said, "Hey, we need surgery."
0: Sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah,
1: it kind of
0: does. A little bit, a little bit along the Brian Roberts saga, but obviously I think Brett was,
1: Gardner's a little bit better than Brian Roberts is now. A little bit uh, younger. Yeah, a little. Bit, right. A little
0: bit. I'm assuming his problem wasn't concussion. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. Well. So that well that's unfortunate for for Brett Gardner and for anybody who wants Brett Gardner to to do well certainly. So, so of course, obviously Mariana Rivera. Right. That was uh, that was a big deal.
2: That was uh, we thought at the time that David Robertson would take over, and that was kind of exciting. Um, but he was then hurt, so Soriano, who was not exactly a fan favorite,
0: now, I can't imagine kind of, why not, really.
2: Yeah. I think it's mainly directed at his contract rather than the person. Okay. Which, um, the contract is the most absurd thing that has ever been thought up.
0: Well, because even, that was the one where even Brian Cashman came out and said he didn't really want to sign him to that, right? But it was, right. somehow that was, uh, Steinbrenner influence. It
2: was Levine mainly. Oh, okay. Um, with some. Steinbrenner on the
0: side. Okay. Well, somebody above even Cashman's pay grade, so he can't, right. he can't even.
2: Cashman didn't want to give up the pick.
0: All right, Draft picks. Yeah.
2: This sounds good. very familiar, it's too.
0: Really, it? it does. The, uh, the Orioles went through a sign reliever, give up draft pick, period. Um, not in the, it, not in the very uh, distant pasty, I should say.
1: Yeah. It, it's funny how it kind of works out, though, where now Rafael Soriano is having a pretty good year. At least, um you take a quick glance, the R.A.'s under two. He's got 26 <laughs> yes. saves. He's sort of filled in pretty well after Rivera went down. And it's like, well, that contract really terrible, and it probably still is, but now you've sort of bridged a little gap there. Just like for yeah. Oriole fans listening, you know, the Mike Gonzalez thing, you can't stop complaining about it loud enough, but it, it turned into Pedro Strope who's been a pretty reliable member of a pretty good bullpen. It was
0: so, a it was a happy ending to what had a disastrous right. beginning. It's
1: just it's it's funny how things work out where um, we're talking about Yankee injuries, the bullpen, you know, we, we haven't gotten a job at Chamberlain yet, but right. he went down, Rivera went down, Robertson went down, and then it was kind of Soriano was was there to to pitch pretty well, all things considered.
2: Definitely. And um, the, it, it's kind of torn between, well, maybe now that he has been a successful closer, he will opt out. He will use one of those insane opt-out clauses and <laughs> be gone.
0: Wait, they gave him an opt-out clause on top of um, that?
2: Two of them. Good grief. It was a three-year deal with two opt-out clauses after each year.
0: Well, you definitely don't see many contracts like that in baseball.
2: No. And... You know, after last year, there was no way that he was going to opt out because he was injured and he was bad. And there are a lot of people who hope that after this year, he finally will opt out. And then there are other people who are kind of of the opinion that, well, Mariano might not come back. So maybe he should stay.
0: Or he might finally look like a human instead of a robot save accumulator after he's trying to come back from that injury at right. his age. huh? Okay. Well, who isn't hurt on the Yankees then? Because that's a long list of names.
2: Cano is not hurt. Oh
0: well, yeah. Which,
2: thank goodness, because I just wouldn't know what to do without him. <laughs> um, I don't know
0: if the Yankees would either. If it makes you feel any better.
2: Right. I don't. I don't think so.
0: Only one of the best players in baseball. Nope. Um, no.
2: Jeter's not hurt, but you know.
0: <laughs> I'm not gonna
1: say what, what it. Okay. Is, what is the general? feeling with Derek Jeter, who's obviously, like, a, a living legend as far mm-hmm. as Yankee fans are concerned, but, you know, I mean, we don't need to talk about, like, his defensive statistics to say he's not the shortstop he once was, Right. He's probably not the leadoff quality hitter that he once was, um, right. is there a lot of, sort of, uh, deference towards uh, Derek Jeter, or is there more, like... You know, we should be trying to find like the transitional guy and moving him down to the bottom of the lineup, or, and and so on.
2: Again, it's it's kind of a weird split. There are the Jeter apologists who think that he should stay at shortstop and stay at the top of the lineup.
0: Well, I'm guessing you're not one they, of them since you're calling them apologists, which I don't.
2: Well, that's I mean, not
0: a positive word in my mind.
2: I think. I root for the laundry a lot more than I root for individual players. Yeah,
0: I can understand that 100%. So see, I,
2: I'm sorry.
1: Oh, I was just gonna say. See, we're all we're all the same.
0: Why? We're you know same. what? We have more in we have more in common common with Tanya here than I have with, for instance, any player on the Oreos. So if you think about it that way, we are all we are all in it together. I mean, I need to scrub my mouth out just from having said that. Excuse me a minute. No, it's okay.
1: You're I'm
2: basically
0: sorry. a Yankee fan, Mark. I know. Just, I know. Oh God, Andrew. I'm gonna have to throw my computer out a window when this is all done, and I don't even know. See, I, they haven't even conceived the repentance ritual I'm going to have to 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 undertake. But anyway, so that was right. so injuries was thing one on the big Yankee storyline. So, what what was right. next on the list?
2: Um. There has been a lot of hand-wringing over all of the home runs that the Yankees are hitting and kind of the fact that they put a lot of runners on and they haven't had a lot of success driving them in and that...
0: So people are mad that they're hitting a lot of home runs? Yeah. How does that work out exactly?
2: They argue that you can't hit them in October. You can't hit them off good pitching.
0: Yeah. I mean, do you do you believe those arguments personally?
2: No, I don't. Okay. Um I've seen the Yankees beat up on both the good and the bad and be shut down by the good and the bad. Um so I don't really think that in in my opinion, a really good pitcher is less likely to give up two or three back-to-back singles than he is a mistake pitch that gets put over the wall by Robinson Canó.
0: Yeah, anybody can make a mistake, even Justin Verlander. Like, right. Whatever he was trying to do in the All-Star game was probably, <laughs> probably a pretty big mistake. Yeah. So, so okay, so, they, so some people think they hit too many home runs, which is actually a... Uh, well, the Orioles, I think, are number two on the list of teams with percentage of runs scored by home run. And the Yankees are like the only team above the Orioles. Or that was the case about a week and a half ago, so... That kind of sounds familiar, except the Orioles have all kinds of other problems that I'm assuming. The Yankees don't, like, you know, grounding into double plays all the time, ever, and really striking out, like, millions and millions of times.
1: Yeah, in Baltimore, it's not a question of, oh, they get on base and they can hit home runs, but they can't hit guys in when they're on base. It's a question of they just they hit home runs and they can't get on base.
0: Or when they do get well, on base, well, then well, well, they ground into a double play, and then there's nobody on base again.
2: That's mainly Russell Martin.
0: Oh, well. And Jeter. <laughs> okay.
2: Um, and Abanez.
0: Well, um, that's quite a few names there, so maybe, maybe the Yankees have a few problems.
2: For a while, Cano was hitting something like 160 with runners in scoring position, and um, that was... Kind of a big thing because people would say, "Oh, we're gonna load the bases, and that's right where they want us because we just couldn't do anything." Time
0: for a one-two-three double play right there.
2: <laughs> right.
0: Oh, De- yeah. Derek Jeter is actually tied for third and ground into double plays in all of baseball, which is above even the Orioles' uh, double play monster, J.J. J. Hardy. So he's, there you go.
2: He's kind of done that a lot, but last year he didn't. So we thought maybe something had changed.
0: Yeah. It no didn't didn't change. No. Now, I guess you can't change a guy like Derek Jeter. He's gonna. You know, I'm. I'm not gonna say what I was about to say. <laughs> I'm. I'm gonna forget about that one. Okay. So offense, a home run thing, and some people don't like that. Which, I guess. I guess they don't dig the long ball, which is uh, unfortunate for them, because really, it's one of the most exciting things about watching baseball is people hitting home runs. Definitely. So last on the list of the of the three big storylines. Not necessarily that these are all inclusive, but just you know, on your personal list, what what do you say?
2: The goal of getting under 189 million dollars for the 2014 payroll has kind of loomed overhead.
0: So the Yankees are at about 210 million right now and you need to right. get under about 20 189. None, uh, so you need to cut about 20 million in 2 years. Right. The Yankees do. So how are they going to go about doing that as far or do you know or do they know and you don't know?
2: I don't think they even know. I think that they have taken steps to kind of move toward that in the Michael Pineda trade, especially, um, having a young, cost-controlled, promising-at-the-time pitcher. And then
0: the shoulder issues happened. And, and then that happened. And there was much sadness, except not in and my house, but somewhere. No one
2: sucks. knows what he's going to be like when he comes back. Um, but they have to deal with Cano being a free agent after next year and Granderson being a free agent after next year, Swisher and Martin being free agents after this year.
0: Well, you're not going to miss Martin if they decide not to, not no, to re-sign him there. Not. Huh?
2: Um, but Scott Boris said recently that um, he thinks that you pay for a good six years and you kind of deal with the bad four years. So I don't know if he's hinting at a 10-year deal for Cano. But a lot of, not a lot, but there are a faction of people who think that if if he wants seven, eight, nine years, they should let Cano walk. Ooh. And I don't know how I feel about that because he is the best player on the team. We have no replacement Insight, um, but at the same time, I don't want a pushing 40-year-old middle infielder. Because
0: there's already pushing 40-year-old corner infielders uh, going on up in there, huh?
2: The left side is just like not, not what we want on the other side.
0: Yeah, you don't want to have you know the best players in 2004 trying to win the 2012 World Series again, and then you don't want. Right. You know, the best players in 2012 trying to win the 2019 World Series or something. So so do you think they're going to pull the trigger? I guess it depends on if somebody else backs up a dump truck to Cano or what?
2: My hope would be that they would work something out this year.
0: Because they have um, an option on him for next year, right? So they have right. time to time to worry about it. Okay.
2: Cashman has said that he wants to work something out with Cano this offseason, which breaks from the Yankee tradition of not signing someone until their contract is over.
0: Oh well that's also the Scott Boris tradition, so they uh they could be in agreement <laughs> right? on there.
2: Um but I think that if they want to save as many nickels and dimes as they can, they need to sign him before other teams get into a bidding war for him.
0: Yeah, I hear so, for instance the Los Angeles Dodgers have a lot of money.
2: Right. So, they want everybody, so
0: you know. They could be the Marlins of the next off season and they'll be like signing Josh Hamilton and who knows who else I don't know that that'll actually happen, but anybody who's worth anything they'll probably be offering obscene sums of money too so yeah, you don't want to lose your your best guy to that uh kind of well, boy now I'm not going to say it we'll we'll move <laughs> on so we're going to we're going to look briefly at the pitching matchups for the upcoming series, and Orioles fans don't. Get your hopes up, because <laughs> Wei-Yin Chen started on today, Sunday, so he's not... And he pitched very He well. did pitch excellent. He set the, the Taiwanese pitcher record for strikeouts in a single game. So, pretty exciting stuff, I guess. Uh, but anyway, so he's not going to be pitching in the Yankees series. The Yankees will not have to, to deal with his crafty Taiwanese lefty stuff. So, Monday evening's game, we're going to see Miguel Gonzalez facing off against Freddie Garcia. So Freddie Garcia, we last remember from the whatever uh, joint deal with the devil that he and Bartolo Colon had had carried out last year to be successful pitchers, uh, is is that still working for him this year, or has uh, no. has 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 <laughs> thing, have things fallen apart? Oh yeah. Okay. So what?
2: Whatever deal he made, it was only a one-year thing.
0: Okay. Well
2: Had an expiration date of last season, and it has not come back.
0: He's not having a good year this year. What is that, 5.16 ERA so far this year. It looks, what, did he get kicked into the bullpen for a while? Ouch.
2: He did. Um, he had about a 12 ERA oh. uh, in the rotation when they finally uh, uh, kicked him out. I'm and believe, he
1: was, sorry. sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just need to jump in here. The Orioles <laughs> saw him earlier in the year, and he threw, like, five wild pitches in one game. Yes. And I yes. think that was, like, his last sort of start, and then they're like, uh, we'll find somebody better. I
2: don't right.
0: Know. So how did he end up back in the rotation if he uh, was not cutting it?
2: Andy Pettit broke his leg.
0: Oh, well, that'll do it. So. Um, okay.
2: Garcia was actually good in the bullpen, which was strange. Um, but we all kind of wanted David Phelps to get Andy's spot, um, but right now he's kind of piggybacking Freddie. So um, when Freddie goes out and throws up a three innings, five runs kind of thing, Phelps comes in and cleans up.
0: Oh, see, I thought you were meaning like in the minor leagues, he would also have a bad start. So if it, if they were like, well, let's get rid of Freddie Garcia and bring up a guy from the minors, then the, the... they
2: did that for a while, okay. but then they said that he could be the long man out of the bullpen and kind of be an insurance policy for Freddie
0: because the Orioles love bringing up guys that just have one good game in the minor leagues, and then all of a sudden you'll hear well, Brian Mattis he's figured it all out look at what a great game he had and then and then he's back so 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 David Phelps cleans up the Freddie Garcia messes lately yes and are the Yankees actually winning those games or is that maybe a bad strategy
2: um Phelps has done remarkably well I mean all season. With the exception of maybe twice, he has just... I mean, he took over Freddie once Freddie got sent to the bullpen the first time. Okay. And um, he has just been great. And then they sent Phelps down to the minors because he was rotting in the bullpen during that stretch where every starter was going like seven innings.
0: Wow, that's a real bad bad problem to have.
2: Right. Um and then since he's come up, he's given up only one hit, and that was last night.
0: Wow! Well, um, all right. Well,
1: yeah, he had great. a uh, a really good series against the A's.
2: Yes, he did. I,
1: I was listening to the game. I was driving home. I was listening to the the CBS broadcast, and John Sterling could not shut up about David Phelps's series. So Sterling. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Um, he's had he, he's had a pretty good run there, and I. Remember the last time I watched the Yankees was a while ago, but his stuff looked pretty good, sort of yeah. out of nowhere. So I can I can certainly understand why there's a big move to to get that guy the starts instead of Freddie Garcia of all
0: people. So our summary is you're not feeling very good about Freddie Garcia. No. Okay. Well, that makes well, that okay. makes me I happy. Yeah.
1: I don't feel very good about McGogans. Gonzalez.
0: No, that's uh. <laughs> I, I don't feel very good either, so, you know, there could be a lot of home runs hit in that game, I guess, and what else is new? So that's Monday. Tuesday evening game is going to feature Chris Tillman for the Orioles versus Ivan Nova of the Yankees, and Nova wins games because the Yankees score like a million runs for him. Is that basically right?
2: That's very correct.
0: Okay, so so what do you like Ivan Nova, or does he annoy you?
2: I do like Nova, um... Last year he was great, and this year he's kind of struggled a little bit. Um, but it's kind of strange. He's gained velocity, and I don't think that he quite knows how to work his pitches the same way with that yet. Um, huh. He's His game has always been ground balls, just tons and tons of ground balls. And this year he's been striking out tons more batters than he had before.
0: Yeah, that's a pretty significant jump. So it looks like last year he had about a a 5.5K to 9 rate, and this year he's at 8 So Yeah. Well, I guess that little extra zip will get you there, but now what? He doesn't know what to do when he's striking guys out or something? That seems like a nice problem to have.
2: (laughs) Um, He leads the American League, maybe baseball, in um, extra base hits.
0: Ah, well...
2: Um, when when he has bad, bad outings, he has a tendency to leave the ball up, and everything just gets smashed. Um, and he's kind of done that a few times. And in the most recent outing for him, he only gave up two runs, and both of them were on two hits in the first inning, but he walked six. So... He was just kind of very wild and kind of all over the place.
0: He's definitely given up a number of home runs there. 20 in his 128 innings is...
2: Yes. Which is...
0: You know, some strong guys hit. To hit some home runs.
2: I mean, at the beginning of the season, every single Yankees pitcher was just giving up absurd amounts of home runs. All of them. Even, you know, CeCe, who hardly ever gives up home runs. Nova, who keeps the ball on the ground so much. Hughes, you know, you kind of expect that from him, but the other guys were just giving them up at an absurd rate, and Nova was definitely a victim of that.
0: Well, there you go. So, Orioles like hitting home runs. Maybe they'll hit a bunch off Ivan Nova, but the problem, of course, with that matchup is going to be Chris Tillman uh, can also like giving up home runs, and so the Yankees also like hitting home runs. So, there's another one that looks like a slugfest on paper, go figure. I don't know. Andrew, do you do you like Chris Tillman versus the Yankees? I don't think I like Chris. Uh,
1: I think it's going to be very telling of his improved stuff. Yes. Which I think is largely untested. Uh, for example, the fastball is faster, but it still looks hittable. Um, but that's just me, and I'm just a dude who thinks that. Uh, so well, A dude be- who
0: gets articles occasionally published on ESPN.com. Let's not cite okay, yourself this, short here, Andrew.
1: I'm just saying it, I, it's going to be.
0: That's, that's four more ESPN articles than anyone anyone else on this podcast has had has had. Well,
1: on. That's probably true. Even, even combined.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we'll see. So Tillman, so we'll obviously, we saw his great game against the Mariners, but uh, okay, it was the Mariners. It was the Mariners. And it's the twins this and is, then well like it's in the opposite of that so now you know now it's the big boys the yankees and we'll really see if he's improved except
1: i mean a bad game doesn't mean right cuz
0: even then it's a one it's game because
1: it's one game but it's the first of of many serious tests yeah. for for Tillman
0: so i don't know I don't, I don't like the Orioles against Ivan Nova. They just always seem like he beats them. And that might even be there, wrong, but that's what I feel like.
1: There was a really interesting article on ESPN.com, by the way, uh, by Jorge Oranger Jr. I cannot pronounce that last name. Former
0: Washington Post Orioles beat writer back when the Washington Post actually covered the Orioles.
1: Yes, indeed. Uh, this was like two months ago now, at this point. Uh, but uh, if anybody's interested in just good writing about sort of uh, the development of international prospects and, and how a guy goes from kind of a, a nobody walking onto a field in the Dominican Republic to a serious part of a rotation in New York, uh, you should go look that up. It's It's really good. It's a really good read.
0: Yeah, I think his first name's Jorge, Andrew. That's not too hard. Okay. But anyway... Nova, whatever. We'll see what happens. And the, the Wednesday afternoon game is going to be Zach Britton, who's another one of these question mark guys for the Orioles, uh, versus Phil Hughes. And when I brought up Phil Hughes' name when we were talking before we were recording with Tanya, she just sighed. So I, I think that says it all about another him.
1: Another very familiar yeah, sound. Another
0: familiar response, sure. But, so why does Phil Hughes make you sigh? And not a good kind of sigh, but more of an exasperated sigh.
2: He just gives up a ton of home runs, and in the daytime at Yankee Stadium, it just gets worse.
0: Phil Hughes, 25 home runs in 121 and a third innings, so yeah, yeah, I'd say that's a lot of home runs.
2: There was a game against the Braves that I've tried to block out.
0: Well, I can understand that, Where
2: feel. He gave up, I think, four, and then the other night against the Red Sox, he gave up three Solo shots, which are, are better than the alternative. Better than but.
0: walking two guys before you give up the right. the home run. Not that I would know, but it, it's yeah. You know.
2: He he is either very good or very hittable, and when he's hittable, a lot of times they are home runs.
1: How frustrating is it to watch? Like Phil Hughes was kind of the the cavalry the Yankees, to, to borrow a phrase thrown around Baltimore a lot, um, a couple of years ago with Ian Kennedy and Java Chamberlain, these guys were supposed to give the Yankees a, a big, cost-controlled young core of starting pitching, and that hasn't worked out, and Oriole fans can can relate to that because they had like six or seven guys who were supposed to form that core, and it hasn't worked out for any of them yet. And for us, it's really frustrating because without those guys, the Orioles stand very little chance at being any good at all, much less competitive. But for Yankee fans, while it's still got to be frustrating, there's there's still a really good team. So, does that like weigh on on you guys a lot more or or less than I'm giving you credit?
2: It it's definitely frustrating and. There are Yankee fans who will tell you that they have no confidence in the system to develop a starting pitcher now. Because Ian Kennedy, for whatever reason, wasn't great. And Hughes hasn't been awesome. And they've been, or Hughes has been okay. There was his kind of banner year. um, But he hasn't been kind of the ace that we were promised. And Jabba, that whole disaster yeah, of right. pen, starter, pen.
0: And you all never, the special rules that were ridiculous.
2: I will never forgive them for what <laughs> they did to Jabba. Just never.
0: So do you have like a grudge against the insects from Cleveland that one year? Is that like your, you know, Are are you like... <laughs> the midges. The midges, yeah.
2: They ruined him.
0: He was never um, the same,
2: I will blame midges and people in the office and whoever I need to, but I just I think they spectacularly screwed him up, and they will say that he can't be a starter because something in his shoulder or something. There's part of me that thinks that's just an
0: elaborate cover-up. This is like me with Nolan Reimold. I'm always making up reasons why the Orioles' front office has screwed him, when really the real truth is probably just he had a fluke good year, and he's really not not meant to repeat it. But Andrew, hey, that's not. Cool. I think Stacy's going to start crying when she heard me that say that. That is not a cool thing to
1: I say. Know.
0: Look at this. This is what's happening to me here. All of my walls are breaking down. I don't even know who I am anymore. Oh, boy. Okay, so Phil Hughes, he's... Uh, well, you don't know what you're going to get from him, but if there's if there's any team he can beat, I'm sure it's the Orioles' offense as it is right now, because really, sometimes, I mean, when they're bad, they're just so bad. And I, there's like a current, over the last like 180 plate appearances with runners in scoring position, they're batting like 162 or something like that. It's really, really bad when they're bad. And uh, well, today was good with Matt Waders delivering the Earl Weaver special, but... It's, uh, it's timely hitting just hasn't been happening in Baltimore, really. So I don't know. So it sounds like nobody really feels good about anybody who's pitching for for their team uh, in this series. Zach so, Britton
1: is is going against Phil Hughes. I,
0: I don't know what that says about way. us collectively. That none of us can really say anything positive about any of these guys. <laughs> there was a
1: there was an interesting article about Phil Hughes also uh, recently the other day on Fangraphs. Uh, David Laurella interviewed phil hughes about his uh evolving repertoire of pitches
2: right
1: i, I thought that was interesting
0: well it was it evolving in a good way or was it evolving Well, as, obviously
1: it's not evolving in the preferred way okay but like i remember they put hughes in the bullpen mm-hmm.
0: for, was that 2009 yes
1: yeah and he was sort of lights out in the in the playoffs for him and the big story if i'm remembering correctly and obviously correct me if I'm wrong, was that he had moved to a cutter. Mm-hmm. And that was like his big weapon. And this was what was going to make him good moving forward. And according to this interview, straight from the horse's mouth, he's abandoned the cutter. Right. He's abandoned the slider. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now he's sort of a four-seam, two-seam, curveball kind of guy. And it, uh, it's sort of... It, it's interesting to, to try and wrap your head around, well, you were that was when you were most successful, and now you're totally different, and your success is a lot more nebulous, I suppose. It's another the, good article to, to go find, if anybody's interested in that sort of thing.
2: The Cutter was, at this point in time, really not that good, and there were a lot of people who wanted him to ditch it, but my problem is that Hughes can be very predictable with his pitches, and that's why he will kind of get two strikes on a batter and then pitch them eight more pitches before he can put them away if he can. And I feel like the less pitches he has, the more susceptible he becomes to getting hit really hard because they're guessing correctly.
1: That guy's probably cheating on the fastball. That's right.
0: Well, I mean, if anybody is going to get put away by him, I'm I'm telling you again. It'll be the Orioles hitters who probably... Just sometimes they feel like, to me, that they have no idea of if there are tendencies like that. It just really just seems like there's people that have no clue. Especially... If it's like Wilson Bethamite against a left-hander, although Phil Hughes isn't oh, left-handed, so
1: you cannot you cannot blame Wilson Bethamite.
0: I blame Wilson so Bethamite so for anything. I want to blame Wilson Bethamite for Andrew. Come being on, being
1: put in that situation is just telling him, like, please go fail, like. He I mean, should never face a left-handed specialist late in the
0: game. With the bases loaded, or what?
1: Like a Never happen. Or, right. Should exactly. Never
0: play third base, which is probably also well, Raul Banez should <laughs> not be uh, in the field either. Maybe, but
2: Girardi loves matchups. Loves them. The
1: binder. Telling him yes.
2: What's it, you know? Until it's a Banyas with the bases loaded against a lefty, and then he's like, mm, can't hurt.
0: Well, then you got you know. You got the veteran uh the the veteran presence in there, right? So that that trumps mm-hmm. the uh trumps the matchup clearly.
2: Oh yeah. He's he's an RBI guy. Right. Quote, unquote. Right.
0: Well we love as if that means something we love hearing about RBI guys, I guess. So <laughs> So okay, run us through a few names of Yankees prospects that you personally are interested in. I we've kind of Cut short of the time I meant to have talking about Yankee prospects, but give us give us the names to fear because from what these, I've these are going to be low-level guys. Because so i from what I've right. seen, it's not going to be you know Dylan Vitances, I probably said that name wrong. says, I don't know. And and Bonuelos,
2: uh, they seem
0: like they bombed this year.
2: Well, ben Wallace has been injured almost all season. Oh, um, when he came back from his first injury, he was very very good. Um, better than he had been, and then he got hurt again, and was shut down. And they said they, there was speculation about whether when he came back he was still kind of feeling the effects of the injury and kind of um, was trying to compensate with his arm, and ended up injuring something or just you know messing something up in his whole shoulder area. So he doesn't need Tommy John or anything like that, which is what everyone feared. But um, hopefully, when he comes back at some point, I don't know if it'll be this season. He will be the guy he was between injuries and not before the injury. It's a
1: little scary shoulder stuff.
2: Definitely. Yeah, anytime, definitely anytime scary. you're
0: talking about injuries in shoulder or elbow, you just uh, you can't start, can't feel too good about it. Of course. Royals, like Brian Mattis, will get injured in his intercostal, and then he's never the same, but maybe that's because there was something else wrong. Who, kn- who knows? You, you can't count uh, on pitching prospects, although Andrew no. won't let me say the phrase.
2: No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> who else is uh, in the Yankee system who's, who's exciting for you guys? Um,
2: the most exciting ones for me are kind of the trio of Tyler Alston, Mason uh-huh. Williams, and Gary Sanchez, who are all at – Hi Tampa right now um they started the season with Charleston and all they did was hit Sanchez was actually repeating the level but Austin and Williams were just there for the first time and by the end of his stay in Charleston pitchers had just stopped throwing anything <laughs> to Austin That's because he was just cool. killing it um so they all were promoted. Sanchez hasn't done very well since being promoted, and Tyler Alston got hit in the head in his first at-bat mm-hmm. in Tampa and got a concussion and missed was that, weeks.
1: Because he was the Yankees representative at the future scheme, right. and then he was pulled from it. Was that because right. of that?
2: He, he, was, he got the concussion right right before that. Yeah, okay. so they didn't. They so didn't that, That's play. pretty scary. Yeah, and um, Mason Williams dove for a ball in the outfield the other night and <laughs> hurt his shoulder.
0: Oh, and geez. He
2: hasn't played since.
0: So. Oh boy. So they're yeah. they're cursed because you like them. Maybe you gotta you gotta simmer down. I guess you I you're, know. Uh, you're spreading bad. So both of those. So Austin and Williams are both outfielders, and then if right. the uh, if the minor league site for the Tampa Yankees is correct, Gary Sanchez is a catcher. Yes. So he's your dream replacement for Russell Martin. He's just a couple years away. Yeah. You gotta you um, gotta tolerate somebody in the meantime.
2: We were told a long time ago that he was Jesus Montero with defense. Uh. And then last year he was terrible defensively. I think he had something like twenty eight past balls. Ooh. Oof. Um it was just something dreadful. And this year he's been a lot better. I don't know what he's done, but he's throwing out runners. Uh, a lot better, and blocking pitches better. Um, he still kind of has his hiccups, and he's one of those that they've labeled as an attitude problem,
0: Ah.
2: and the Yankees hate those. Um,
0: Gary so- Sanchez, product of the Dominican Republic. Andrew, what do you think it would be like to actually have a useful player signed from the Dominican Republic when they were like young?
1: Um, someday I'd like to find out. Yeah. The Orioles, by the way, uh, I'm pretty sure this is still true. Feature, if not the worst, then among the worst percentage of foreign-born players. Wasn't it like the Frederick? Roster.
0: There was like no Latin American-born yeah, players exactly. earlier this that, year. Uh,
1: that was. I think that might have been last year. But yeah, they're really bad at developing the foreign-born prospects. Just That's really bad, and this is a big part of why they're a little hopeless
0: well so, for so many years the, the whoever was the general manager analog just wouldn't sign that those guys because yeah, they didn't want like to play that game. there was a
1: weird thing where uh, on blogger night I guess the uh, Matt Clintech former assistant GM was asked or he was like assistant director of baseball ops or something that he is now a assistant GM for the angels. Uh, he was asked about that and he cited an internal study they did that the Orioles did that said like well Dominican players aren't worth the investment basically and then later Andy McPhail said I don't know anything about any study like that
0: yeah that was a weird that was a weird one and then of course Andy McPhail signed Vlad Guerrero who was at the end of his career and once came from right. the Dominican Republic so they're really good at that yeah. they're not as good as signing the old guys the trading writer. for the old guys yeah Getting getting the sixteen year old that's going to turn into Vlad Guerrero. Nah, not so much. So Andrew, I guess we're actually running down about right. to the end of our time because Andrew's on a on yeah, a breaking bad watch. Breaking so briefly run through our plug stuff. You can follow Andrew on Twitter. He's at Gibson Andrew, or you can follow me at Eatmore SK. E S S K A Y, like the hot dogs, because you can taste the difference quality makes. I don't know why I always say that. Somebody told me I should, and I, I don't know why I do. But you can you can
1: taste the difference. Uh,
0: uh, and you can look f- you can look for Camden Chat on uh, Twitter also at Camden Chat, or Facebook.com slash Camden Or or at Camden Chat.com. Or at Camden Chat. There's com. like a whole website a whole website with, a Camden with Camden all our all our cool contributions, including this podcast, which is hosted there. So, Tanya, do you have a Twitter you would like to plug if anybody wants to see your your Yankee thoughts?
2: Sure. Um, It's A-Y-N-A-T-211.
0: Which I'm noticing is your name backwards. It is. Okay. So there we go. And and you can find her writing on PinstripeAlley.com, along with, I'm assuming, other talented Yankee commentators.
1: That just burns you up,
0: doesn't it? No, it doesn't. It doesn't, Andrew. I'm sure they're all nice people. Just people whose baseball team I don't want to win on any given night. But that's okay, because they probably don't want the Orioles to win on any given night, especially not the next three nights. So.
1: Well, Mark, did you see the thing about Bill Murray and the Yankees? It is sort of about the Yankees on uh, SB Nation uh, like, a couple weeks ago.
0: Was that his minor league Hall of Fame yeah. thing? Yeah, I well, did. the Sally League Hall of yeah. Fame. I,
1: with, uh, and Brian Cashin was there, and... And probably some of these, these Yankee prospects that you can't identify by sight were, were in it. It was cool. It was very cool.
0: No, I didn't see Bill Bill Murray about the Yankees.
1: See, there's lots of cool things about
2: the Yankees. He went tarp sliding. Did
0: he? Yeah. Well, I like anybody yeah. who tarp slides. I, yeah. I will say that.
1: He gave his Hall of Fame induction speech. It was, just, it was completely wonderful. Like I just replay it sometimes in the mornings when I need... Motivation to go to work and things like that. It's just totally wonderful.
0: Sounds like it really, uh, really made an impact on you. I might yeah. have to. I might have to find it. So where? What would I? What would I search for on YouTube if I was looking for that? Uh, and anybody out there can do the same.
1: It's like an Amy K. Nelson.
2: Yeah, it is.
0: Story. Let's see.
2: I think it's called like the best boss in baseball or something.
1: Yeah, that sounds. That sounds Let's better. see. Like he went. He went to go pick up Brian Cashman. Flew into Charleston. And his chauffeur to take him to the ballpark was Bill Murray. Like just little cool
0: things. Sure enough, like that. Bill Murray, baseball's best boss. Search for that on YouTube, and you will find the Amy K. Nelson, who is our much higher up the SB Nation food chain than we are. I don't even know if we get to call ourselves in the food chain actually, but we're we're on SB Nation somewhere. And Amy K. Nelson. Someone's so. gotta
1: be at the bottom. Of the
0: food yeah, chain. well, yeah, we're uh, we're like the plankton <laughs> of the SB Nation world, I guess. But. Amy K. Nelson is, is way above us, and she does cool video pieces, and so she did one for Bill Murray. I will we'll have to look at, at it, and I guess you should, too. So we've made Andrew late for for, uh, for Breaking Bad. We're very we're sorry.
1: And I but, will never forgive you.
0: But that's all we have for tonight, so I was joined by Tanya Bondurant from pinstripeballet.com and my usual podcasting partner in crime, Andrew Gibson. For those excellent correspondents, I am Mark Brown. We are bringing you Cast. This is Birdland, and we are out.